Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What's that football book is doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PML. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I would be very careful about slings. Am I going to get sued? We got legal on this? Let's send you out on the right note. Uh, PFF sucks. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs> wow. Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We're live-ish on YouTube on a Monday morning previewing the Super Bowl because you know what? We're flying out to the Super Bowl. We could say Super Bowl, right? We could say it. I know it says big game on the screen that you guys are seeing here, but it's a Super Bowl. Everybody's got to say big game. If you're if you're selling something, yeah, right. Like, if you're advertising, right, we or, could say Super Bowl. That's what it is. Yeah, I wonder how disconnected the ad has to be from the the big game before you can before you get into trouble. I don't know. It's also vague. We'll find out if Raj is listening. It's vaguely hilarious that like that's the standard of you know. Uh, soon you can't you can't connect your product to the Super Bowl. So if everyone just agrees to say the big game, we can do exactly that. Perfectly fine. Yeah, perfectly fine. Anyway, we're um. We're live here on a Monday morning, mm-hmm. previewing the game, sort and of. then uh, we're, we're heading out to Vegas right now. We'll be there all week, live on location in Vegas. Yeah, on a, on a Frontier Air flight. Yeah. High class of, first class of the skies. Thoughts and prayers, please. I, uh, you know, there's one of my favorite things in the world is seeing you holding very small things. When you get to the Frontier seat and realize that the tray table in front of you is the size of a mobile phone, that's going to be fun. I've never flown Frontier. Is yeah. it all? You I mean, see, I, hate not, to, I would hate to trash a potential future sponsor of the show. I am not being facetious when I say the tray table is the size of a phone. Really? It, like, is this. And is the legroom extra no, that's tiny the there? Oh, it's the same. Okay. But, it, but you, like, the, the tray table is smaller than your hand. Wow. Yeah. That's not used. So it doesn't matter because I can't use a tray table because it never flattens out over my knees my well, knees this are one might, just because it's that small so maybe it will yeah. um so you you will not have the benefit of seeing me in the middle seat i have upgraded oh yeah to <laughs> at least an aisle <laughs> to at least an aisle and then <laughs> at the gate i will do my usual puppy yeah. dog face please can i get an aisle in an exit road you have something available i anticipate that not being available so i at least bought the aisle because it's vegas it's super bowl week yeah. it's probably going to be loaded i don't think it's the puppy dog look that does you anything there. I think oh, it's, it's the them. Yeah, yeah, I think it's them going, oh, 
Yeah, we can. We'll we'll make that happen. And I just want to give a shout out before we're getting into the game. I promise a shout out to again a lot of our listeners and our viewers that I've run into in Mobile. I had we were try we were waiting to get a credential. Yeah. At the Senior Bowl, and somebody looked at me and said, "I thought you were going to start using your size to intimidate people." I said, "Ah, you listen. That's good. You know, like using our inside jokes on us. You know." And, and thought, let's see, I made sure I got my credential faster. Thought you were going to say they looked at you and just yelled out, "Big Goofy." Ah, <laughs> uh, no, but that could that could happen. We should imagine sure. getting heckled just like Fire standing in a listeners. queue, being yelled, "Big Goofy." You know, it's one thing when you're on a baseball diamond yeah. or whatever. Well, we're gonna get we're gonna preview that big game, Niners and Chiefs. But first, is 2024 bringing exciting or unexpected changes to your life? Well, here's a secret weapon to help you face those challenges with more confidence. It's a great term life insurance policy. Yes, for real. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it simple to protect your family's financial future so you can focus on what's ahead, knowing your family is protected if something else unexpected happens. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. And Fabric has flexible policies that fit, policies that fit your family and your budget, like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. So join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash pffnfl. That's meetfabric.com slash pffnfl. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash pffnfl. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Insurance Company not available in certain states. Price is subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, man, we're, we've decided to preview the game at the beginning of the week here. So mm. it's, it's live. You know, it's evergreen for at least seven days here. And um, oftentimes we do it later in the week, but we're going to get it out of the way. So you guys can always reference back to our Chiefs in 49ers preview. Yeah, early preview. And then the rest of the week is going to be fairly chaotic. chaotic. Certainly Tuesday show. We have yet to determine when it's actually going to get recorded. So I don't know if you were if you remember last year, we went live from Radio Row every day the way we normally do our show, but the internet was so bad that going live was problematic, right? Even right. though we paid for the fancy-ass, you know, super internet that they supply and hardwire into your, your stuff, we yeah. paid for that and it was still useless. So this year, we're not going to be going live. We're going to record them and then upload them later on so yeah. that it's not a disastrous experience. The problem is that will do one or two things. Well, number one. It's going to happen later in the day because it's going to take a while to do that, right? Plus, we're on the West Coast, you know? Yeah, even if we record early morning Pacific time from Vegas, it's going to take a while to upload, and it'll be later in the day by the time you have it. Number two, we're kind of at the mercy of other, you know, of, of big-time people, right? Big-time people are like, hey, yeah, we can do your show, but it'll be 10 a.m. And then we're like, well, now we gotta, now we got to record our stuff later. So We also don't know when they're going to bail on us. Like, as of now, Kay Adams is going right. to join the show, but, you know, if she gets... It's too busy or something. Exactly. Like, no. So that's why I have to cut. Certainly Tuesday, tomorrow's show. God only knows when it'll be there, but it'll be there. Um, so just be ready. I think you'll get your. Um, I think you'll get your five shows. Yes. But the other just could come at different times. Bob Sturm has said two fifteen or three fifteen. <laughs> Tuesday, right. we saw. We're just we're Tuesday. Perfect. The other um, the other programming note is that we are not going to be having a an official meet and greet at Circa as we as we floated the idea that we might. We did. So now, the last you, minute, we didn't get it arranged enough. I will say, unofficially, if you do want to meet and greet us, we'll be there Wednesday late afternoon. Right. Wednesday around 4, we will be recording a show for Thursday. Yes. So if you do want to come by Circa, Circa Swim will be over there recording Wednesday afternoon for Thursday. Yeah. 
It's cold as hell there, apparently, this week, so we're not going to be in the pool. Yeah, it's colder than Cincy. Yeah. Though I think they heat that thing. Oh, so maybe we could, really do, we could do it from yeah. the pool. It makes me think Cincinnati could host a Super Bowl. If the weather, you know, the weather's better here than Vegas. Sure. Weather's maybe. fine at the moment. All right, you ready to talk football? Let's go. So just be ready this week, all just viewers and listeners, everybody. Just be ready. Just it's going to be, be crazy. It's going to be crazy. All right, 49ers and Chiefs, man. Um, I want to start with this, a question. I want, to t- I want to talk a little. We'll talk both sides of the ball. I want to talk X's and O's. But I think one of the themes, this, uh, this playoffs, is the, the stuff that we don't necessarily quantify at PFF, the, the unquantifiable, the, the mental state of both teams, the psychology, some of the stuff that I like to uh, push aside sometimes because it's hard, hard to quantify. And I think to get here, the Chiefs have looked like the team that's been there before, they're experienced. And I, I think a big reason why the Chiefs are here is because they've made so few mistakes yeah. over the last three games. And their opponents have made mistakes. And the, the Chiefs have just played really clean football. So I want to start with this, Sam. How do you think the psychology of this game plays out? Because you have the Chiefs who have played mistake-free football, and you have Kyle Shanahan who has to go to the Super Bowl now for the third time. The last two times he's been in the Super Bowl, 2016 with the Falcons, 28-3. They blow the lead. We know that was a big issue. And then 2019 with the 49ers, a 10-point lead into the fourth quarter against these Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Same thing. Is it a play-calling issue? Can they just not hold the lead? Jimmy Garoppolo misses a deep post. What happens? What happens if in both of those situations, right? Like the Niners have a lead or they're, they're trying to make a fourth-quarter comeback, which we know generally has been challenging for them, even though they did it last week. How is that going to play out here in this game? Yeah, I mean, I think that the Chiefs have been the bulletproof psychological team throughout the postseason. They, as you said, they've been there before. And, you know, unlike some other teams where you talk about the history, it's actually, it's relevant history. Like most of the players on this team have been there before and have done it last year. You know, there's not that many that haven't. Whereas some other teams like, ah, this team back in 2019 or whatever, like there's like seven people on the roster that were even at that last game. You know, it's not the same. But the Chiefs have been there before and they've been playing like it. Like playoff Mahomes, playoff Kelsey, these are real things that that show up in tangible numbers as well as just that feel of experience and comfort during the games. Um, I think there is a chance that the 49ers have sort of exorcised some demons over the last couple of weeks in terms of those, you know, Shanahan's never come from behind, uh, heading into the fourth quarter, just never come back from a big deficit, all those kinds of things. They've won a couple of those games now. Um, And I think that's probably important for them psychologically, but they haven't done it in the Super Bowl, you know? And as you said, Shanahan has been to to, to a big game like that and it didn't go well. So I think there's a chance that they're on equal footing in that regard. But if it's going to go one way, that intangible psychological stuff, it's going to go Kansas City's way. Yeah, that's my feeling with it as well, right? I mean, then you come out of the Baltimore Ravens AFC Championship game and you're like, why didn't they run the ball? What happened? And did they just did they just get to a point where they messed with themselves mentally and they, they changed the game plan? They were like, oh, no, we're going to – we're going to do what they don't expect. Or, you know, it's the Chiefs, therefore we have to score more and we don't need to run the ball as much. Like the Ravens took themselves out of their own game plan. Will Shanahan even do that early on? Will they run the ball too? I mean, will they pass the ball too much? Will they rely on 
um, their outside playmakers more than they than they should. You know, again, every week I like to say the Kansas City run defense has their holes, and then in a good running team can exploit it. We've seen that at times throughout this season. Haven't really seen it. Um, we saw it one time in the playoffs with the Bills, and I thought the Bills' game plan was great. And I thought the Ravens could replicate it and and slow the game down and uh, you know limit possessions and then just hope to make one or two stops defensively. The Bills just couldn't make those stops. I, I go back to that, though. The Niners can do that. They can play ball control. They could throw the underneath stuff. Debo Samuel after the catch. Christian McCaffrey running the ball. Um, so I think the Niners are equipped to stay within themselves and their game plan should match with the type of game plan I think that can, that can beat the Chiefs. So let's start on that side of the ball. Niners offense going up against this Chiefs defense. Spags, been so good, man game plan and what's he going to do against Shanahan in this 49ers offense yeah my my big question is whether the Chiefs sort of stick with what they have done most of the season or if they do change it up and do something dramatically different and in particular what I mean by that is whether they stick to a man heavy coverage type of system right the Kansas City Chiefs have run man coverage a lot this season I think they're top five um, but the 49ers have this absolute nightmare row of individual man cover beater playmakers, right? George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Kyle Juszczyk, Christian McCaffrey. Like we've talked all the way through the year. There's no team in the NFL that has all of those guys covered individually, right? Mm -hmm. The, you know, a team like Baltimore was about, was one that you think maybe they could do it. Kansas City's had some great performances on defense, but there's multiple players you would say probably don't match up well with their equivalent of that guy right now George Kittle dealing with an injury maybe he's not 100% that would help uh, Christian McCaffrey's been banged up all the way through the playoffs but he's been playing through it and, and hasn't shown any um, sort of impact because of it Debo Samuel gets the the extra week of rest with his shoulder as well so it's not like they're 100% healthy but they seem healthy enough that they're all going to be playing and that's probably an issue we t we've also said one of Spagnolo's sort of best traits, I think, is individual game plans. You know, coming in with an individual plan to stop a specific team. He's got two weeks to work on this 49ers problem. Does he come up with a completely different uh, game plan specific to that uh, to try and stop them? Or do they just rely on having the horses on defense to be able to match up in man coverage? And if so, how's that going to go? Yeah, I've, the other thing I've said about this Chiefs defense too is like they'll they'll play that man coverage and everything, and and they, I think, generally do a good job of taking away that intermediate ten to nineteen yard level, and they make you throw the ball underneath or throw the ball over the top. And when you throw the ball over the top, and teams are playing you know physical press man, like we saw against Tyreek Hill, there's not a lot of those opportunities for the you know receivers to get behind the defense. You might have a couple here and there. So I think the Niners have to find that balance of taking those shot plays but I think it's going to be a lot of Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey in this game both run game and through the air I do think McCaffrey has that advantage against most linebackers in the NFL anyway but Drew Tranquil um, probably get Willie Gay back who missed the AFC championship probably be out there he is he's a very athletic linebacker in coverage but I still like McCaffrey and the ability to move him around I think it could be one of those games where he has those six to eight catches and it's but it's not just checkdowns, it's those angle routes, it's him lined up out wide. And then Debo, I think, just has to be special in this game. Um, I, to me, that's the bottom line for the Niners, though. Not that Ayuk, Kittle, Debo, and McCaffrey, they're not all going to light up the stat sheet. Not every last one of them. 
But when their time comes, right, when you have that right matchup, whether it's Kittle, whether it's Debo, whether it's Ayuk, they have to make those plays. So at the end, if, if the Niners are going to win this game, we wake up Monday morning, head to the airport immediately because we get an early flight. But we wake up Monday morning and we say, boy, the Niners, the, the Niners were just too tough to cover. No, no, no. We'll be doing that on Sunday night after the game. We'll be saying, we'll be saying it Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're right. I use a generic Monday morning. Yeah, so that is what the people do need to know. We will be going live right after the game. Mm -hmm. And then the other, the storyline to keep an eye on this week is whether or not I'll get into the game. It's a big story. You've got, um, and much like last year, you have Taylor Swift. Yeah. You have me getting into the game. It's a big story. Much like last year, the timing of that will be limited to how long it takes whoever's in the stadium to get their ass back from there to the hotel. Correct. Because that was, that took a while last time. So, the other thing we're going to keep an eye on, if I don't get in, hmm. how many wings am I going to eat? Yeah. Last year, I think I ordered 40. 40? It was surely 50. I may have gotten 50. <laughs> this year, another year, new me. Yeah. We can do 75. 75. Yeah, we can do 75 wings. Especially if you're at the game and you take a while to get back, you know. Ample More opportunity. Time. More time. How many wings could you eat in a sitting? It depends on the size of the wing, you know? What? They're chicken. They're all like vaguely the same size. No, because some places have those monster, you know, but like a, a normal, normal size, size like a chicken lot. wing that everybody pictures when they say, how many wings could you eat? I mean, I could do a, of a normal size, good size, 50. 50. 50 yeah. zero. I, I feel like you Like got... I said, I used to go to this place in college that was 10 cent wings or whatever it was at the time, but they knew they were doing 10 cent wings, so they were like, they were mini. So I'd spend, was it 10 bucks for, for 50? It was yeah. 5 cent wings. Maybe. Whatever it was. Ten cent wings. Either way. Ten what? That doesn't make mathematical sense. Was it? Maybe it was 25. Whatever they were. <laughs> I would eat 50 wings. though. I would get 50 every single time. Sometimes I got 10, you know, 10 more when I was done. But they were tiny. Okay. I forget what the price was. That's what's messing me up. Right. I just remember like dropping 10 bucks. Be like, give me all the wings for 10 bucks. Type <laughs> of deal, you know, <laughs> give me all the stuff. And, but they were tiny. Like they knew they were, they were set, you know, sending them out in bulk. Yeah. Some places they're bigger. I don't know. We'll, I'm going to eat a lot this week. You'll, you'll, There's all kinds of uh, fancy Vegas watch parties I keep getting emailed about. You could go hit up one of those. I haven't been emailed about any watch parties. You, no. You have, you yeah. have a credential? You have a game invite and a watch party invite? Well, like places like, you know, Circa with their giant stadium swim TV and stuff. I do, be... I do know the owner of Circa. I'm sure I could get some sort of, uh, some, some sort of hookup over there. And you'll there. need to. Otherwise, it's, it's going to cost some money. Yeah. I have to go talk to Derek over there. Anyway, yeah, Niners offense mm-hmm. versus the Chiefs defense. Charles Amenehu is out. Remember, he got injured in the AFC Championship game. We thought that potentially um, – I remember at the time they didn't think it was uh, season-ending, but it was. So Amenehu's out. That's a big loss. Joe Tooney should be back on the other, um, on the other side of the ball. But um, this Chiefs defensive line, I think the other, the other thing here about the, the Niners, the grades have said all year the pass blocking is not great in San Francisco other than Trent Williams. And you have Chris Jones, who we know will move around the formation. He'll go find Colton McKivitz on a few of those key downs. And it always seems to always seems to show up in these big games, whether it's yeah. a batted pass, a sack, whatever it might be. That is one place I think the Chiefs could have the advantage with their defensive line. It really is. His ability to time that up is kind of insane. I mean, even... T.J. Waddish. Even. <laughs> think about the Ravens game where... Remember, they were backed up in their own one-yard line, Baltimore, and they went on that big drive that ended in the Lamar Jackson uh, turnover. 
But the very first play of that drive, Chris Jones blasted his way through the middle of that offensive line and only a blatant uncalled tripping penalty on the running back stopped him from creating like a safety immediately, right? That one play of the game. And that that's the game right there. Like if that's a safety and they kick the ball away back to Kansas City, that's game over. Like Chris Jones timed that up and it didn't really get noticed because he got tripped and didn't get to make the play. But his ability to go, okay, right now is the highest leverage time. I need a sack. This is the play I'm just going to wreck the game is kind of crazy. Like there aren't, aren't many defensive players that are able to do that. TJ Watt, you mentioned Aaron Donald did it in the Super Bowl yeah. where he's like, right, that's it. No more. Game over. I'm going to make yeah. the plays. And the game's done. I mean, Jones can genuinely do that. And, okay, losing a man who's a big loss because it's it's another player that can make those, not necessarily those plays, but impact plays. Carl Loftus has definitely been better this year. Um, that 49ers offensive line, we've been saying it all year long. It is a weakness on paper, and most teams haven't been able to turn it into a weakness um, in reality, like on the on the field. Chris Jones is the type of player that can do that. And also... It's been better through the playoffs in recent weeks, whatever. It's a, this is the type of defensive front that can sort of send it back to being where it was more of a weakness earlier in the year. And then when I watch the Chiefs defense, I just, I'm watching Spags call the game, and it just seems like he has a really good feel for when to send the extra rusher, when to, when to speed up, heat up the quarterback, right? When to sit back and play coverage. And, um, you know, there was other issues with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, but you saw that level of indecision with Lamar Jackson. He would drop back, and there were so many plays where he would just try to buy time, buy time. The first read wasn't there. Second read wasn't there. Lamar was trying to, as he always does, go through his reads, go one to two to three, and nothing was open. And whether that was, you know, they you know, had too many pass blockers, they were ready for a pressure, and they, you know, the Chiefs dropped out. There was indecision in Lamar Jackson, and uh, Spag seems to be really good at that. The other psychological aspect I'll add to this, Brock Purdy has started slow yep. the last two weeks. And we blamed the rain two weeks ago, but last week it happened as well in, in clear weather. And I always I always joke about the uh, mid-90s Brett Favre games where John Madden would be calling a game. And he would just like chuckle because Brett Favre would always drop back and like throw his first pass into the third row. And he and Madden would be, oh, you know, Brett, he's always so fired up, you know, he's he's so excited, you know, and he misses his throw. And and there was the psychological aspect of Brett needed to kind of settle in. I don't think Purdy can afford to do that in this game. In part because Kyle Shanahan's a great game planner, right? You always talk about that first fifteen and uh, you know, the, the beginning script. Purdy can't af- afford to miss those throws, and so he started slow the last few weeks. Is that a nerves thing? Is it just getting settled into the game? I don't think Purdy can afford to do that this week. No. I mean, whether it's starting slow or whether you simply characterize it as he hasn't played very well in the playoffs outside of right at the end of the game, you know, just enough to kind of pull it out of the fire. However you want to um, describe that dynamic, the point is I don't think he can have a game like that and win against the Chiefs. Like, you know, the, we're going to get onto Mahomes in a bit. Mahomes, as as you said, the big difference between him in the postseason and him in the regular season is he just doesn't make mistakes, like almost none. It's insane, actually, the level of mistake-free football he's been playing in the postseason and generally for his career plays in the postseason. If he does that again in the Super Bowl and you get like the best version of Mahomes, you can't have Brock Purdy 
muddling his way through for two quarters and then trying to turn it on late in the game, it's not going to be enough. Like they're already going to be out of sight and you're unlikely to make that kind of comeback against a Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Spagnolo coached type of team. It's not, I don't think it's going to happen. So if the 49ers want to win this game, that group of playmakers that we talked about before, they're going to need Brock Purdy to be the facilitator and to get them the ball and not screw it up. All right, anything else to add to this side of the ball? I, I think my, my quick summation is I can't wait to see the battle between Kyle Shanahan and Spags, you know, game plan oriented defense, uh, the the Trent McDuffie going up against Debo Samuel and uh, Legereus Sneed going up against Brandon Ayuk, the individual matchups. To me, though, because those corners have been so good, I think it's going to be the moving around of Debo Samuel to get away from Trent McDuffie in the slot, but moving Debo around, getting the ball to him in space, McCaffrey catching the ball out of the backfield, and uh, whatever they get with George Kittle. I think they can attack maybe Kansas City's linebackers a little bit more than the corners, and I do think the Niners have to run the ball. I think they need to stay in some level of rhythm because McCaffrey will break off the 38-yarder like he did um, the other day in against the Packers. He will break those big plays. I think they have to stay within their game plan. Yeah, I mean, this is the interesting side, the most interesting side of the ball, I think, because the 49ers offense has been extremely good this season. It's been virtually unstoppable, and then only a couple of teams have been able to cause it any kinds of problems. And most of the time that's happened, it's been because they were missing people, right? Because Debo went down, or Trent Williams went down, or both of them went down. When they have had everybody out there and everybody healthy, reasonably healthy, they've probably been the best offense in the NFL, and they're going to be going up against one of the best defenses in the NFL, and certainly the best defense that's ever been paired with Patrick Mahomes. That's a real strength-on-strength matchup. If they get, if the 49ers get Brock Purdy bouncing back and playing you know, his better game all the way through then I do think that this is a real sort of Titanic matchup. Like, that 49ers offense has been amazing, and when Brock Purdy's on, it's so hard to stop all components of that. Chiefs defense has given up 41 points. And they, you know, Romo kept saying the other day, haven't given up more than 27 in a game. They'd be one of the first teams in history, I think, to never give up 30 yeah. if they could do it the again. The team with this, mem- this number of games, Yeah, obviously. Well, 17-game schedule. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And then um, one of the best playoff runs in history as far as points allowed go for the, um, for the defense. So um, it is, it is going to be a fascinating side of the ball. And then, again, the psychological aspect, if the Niners are up a score in the fourth quarter, as the Eagles were last year, as the Niners were in 2019, finding that balance and, and coming down to game management. Kyle Shanahan's game management, in addition to his play calling with a lead, has been in question for years. It's been it's been a thing. How much is he going to adjust? How much has he learned? How much does he, you know, remember the old, you know, Matt Ryan taking a sack to lead to the 28-3? to three? How much does that affect play calling here in the fourth quarter if, if they have a lead? Going to keep an eye on all of that. Yeah. I mean, Shanahan, Shanahan was scarred by that 28-3 Super Bowl loss, right? Like, how he actually handles the game, I think, he individually, his... Uh, reaction to, to this game might be the most interesting of anybody in the, the in the game. In addition to, I think it, I think it was in the Super Bowl that year too. They were very conservative before the half, just as they were two weeks ago against the Packers. Right? They tried. They, they just played for the field goal, missed the field goal. Can't do that against the Chiefs, no matter how. Like the Chiefs' offense has been cooking here in the uh, postseason. I know they only scored 17 points last week, but they've been doing a good job of moving the ball generally. 
you can't just rely on field goals. Plus, you have a, a rookie kicker in Jake Moody. It's also an interesting dynamic because the 49ers are favored. Like, that line didn't swing back towards Kansas City. It stayed, I'm still in shocked. In fact, if anything, it went it the other way. I think it yeah. was one and a half when we first talked about it coming out of the game. It's now two. So it, it briefly swung in the direction of the Chiefs, and then it went back. Um, so... You know, you we're gonna. I think we're gonna be vaguely similar in terms of how we describe this game. But you're like you're facing Andy Reid, Mahomes, Kelsey, Spagnolo, that defense. You're facing those Chiefs in the Super Bowl. You have to play like you're the underdog, but they're not. Like they're actually favored for the game. So you know, there's there's cover if he wants to play conservatively and be like, no, nah, I'm I wasn't taking chances. I'm just playing it by the numbers. You know. Yeah, that's what's inter interesting about football, right? On Christmas, I mean, Christmas Day was only about six games ago for both of these teams. The Niners lost pretty bad to the Ra Ravens, but the Chiefs lost badly to the Raiders. And uh, But that's a different Chiefs team, right, that had a, a bad offense in Mahomes' worst game of his career. We haven't seen anything like that throughout the playoffs here. So uh, we'll go to the other so side of the ball in a minute, but we're going to be about – we're about to talk about Mahomes, and you can be too, with prize picks, the, with the Patrick Mahomes free square. If Mahomes throws for – one or more yards, you win. So we've got our own lineup here. We have taken advantage of the free square with Mahomes. Let me find it really quick here. Uh, Mahomes more than a half passing yard. That's part of our lineup here. We've got Brandon Ayuk going more than 62 and a half receiving yards. We have Isaiah Pacheco going more than a half rushing or receiving touchdown. So either one works there. We've also decided to add up Patrick Mahomes and Brock Purdy going more than 38 and a half rushing yards. Chris Jones going more than a quarter of a sack, so the half sack wins that there. And then Christian McCaffrey going more than 90 and a half rushing guards. You can mix and match any way you want over at Prize Picks. That's our lineup here at PFF. But this is how you add an extra layer of excitement to the big game with Prize Picks and take advantage of their exclusive Patrick Mahomes free square offer. If Patrick Mahomes throws for more than one yard during the Super Bowl, you win. You could win a prize by rooting for one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So don't miss a chance to get on the action and win big with Prize Picks. Sign up now and claim your free square. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. The easiest and most exciting way to play DFS, it's just you against the numbers. You pick more, you pick less. It's that easy. Instead of battling thousands of players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than a two to six player stat projection and watch the winnings roll in. If you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill, and comedian Andrew Schultz, you can do that, and the community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the PrizePix community every single week. PrizePix even offers a reboot policy, so the entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. So for football and basketball games, if you have a player that exits the game in the first half, does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So you go to prizepix.com slash PFFNFL, use the code PFFNFL, Get a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash PFFNFL. Use code PFFNFL. First deposit match is up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy over at Prize Picks. All right, let's talk about the other side of the ball. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs against this 49ers defense. Uh, last time we saw them was the regular season last year, and my initial instinct is the Chiefs offense is going to move the ball the same way they have the last few weeks. They moved the ball fairly easily against the Ravens early in the game. Definitely got shut down in the second half. Mm -hmm. um, but when we talk about the, the mental state of these teams, I think one of the biggest challenges in beating the Chiefs the last few weeks is they just came out firing. They came out and scored on their first drive against the Dolphins. They came out and uh, looked unstoppable against the Bills. 
And they came out and looked unstoppable against the Ravens on their first two drives. And the Ravens were supposed to be their biggest challenge defensively. I think they were. I mean, that Ravens defense did a fantastic job against the the Chiefs offense last game. Um, Okay, the first drive, not so much. You know, Kansas City went down, scored, basically slapped them in the face. But after that, they did a really good job of clamping down on the offense, making everything difficult. And the Chiefs did just enough to keep the ball moving, keep drives extended, and put up enough points, um, and obviously turn the ball over. Um, so, like, I, I think I think we should credit Baltimore's defense and the amazing job that they did and say, you know, even despite that, Kansas City made enough plays. So, again, I go back to last year's game when um, the Chiefs' offense was much better last season from, from start to finish. Um, but the last last time they played was Week Seven. Chiefs won forty four to twenty three against the Niners, and the Niners were hot at the time. They weren't as hot, maybe as they 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 got hotter. I think as the season went on, and the points in this particular season where they looked like the best team, where they just you know ran through the Eagles and um, some other teams that, uh, and they just established themselves as the best team until the Ravens took them down. But forty four to twenty three in last year's game. And my big takeaway from that game was the, the way the Chiefs made Nick Bosa in the Niners' de- uh, off defensive line just irrelevant, basically. And Bosa in particular, it felt like the Chiefs just did just made him wrong on every play. And, and, the, and Andy Reid and the Chiefs have a really good feel for um, taking pass rushers out of the game. And this is a, a quick-hitting passing attack. Mahomes just gets rid of the ball as fast as possible. It's a yak-driven attack. And I think that does negate what the Niners built as an advantage on that defensive line, bringing in Chase Young and bringing in Javon Hargrave in this offseason. Can the Niners actually get any pressure? I don't know that they can because of how quickly Mahomes and the Chiefs get rid of the ball, put the ball into the hands of their playmakers. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly going to be the goal. Um, it's worth noting that it's a worse Kansas City offensive line than it was you know, a year ago, uh, the, the tackle the tackle change, I guess you would say, in the offseason, it hasn't worked. I mean, both those spots are weaker than they were a year ago. Yeah. Now, they've been able to make it not a problem, but one of those guys is blocking Nick Bosa on pretty much every play. That's harder than it was a year ago, even if you're still able to create some of the same plays. Um, so I think that that is a different dynamic here. The other element is going to be, you know, the, the whole blitzing component of it. Like, our are the 49ers willing to get aggressive and come after Mahomes for multiple different reasons? Number one, it's always been you don't do that to Mahomes. He's too good. But the last couple of weeks now, the Dolphins did it basically by necessity because they ran out of pass rushers. Baltimore did it for a different reason. But teams have been coming after Mahomes more in the last few weeks. It's also, remember, didn't they? the 49ers, now this is another one of those ones where now most of these people weren't playing that game. But in that Super Bowl, Wasp, they blitzed, right? That was they blitzed Five on that men, play. Five men, maybe. I right. Think, yeah. I, they came after him on that play, and he just backed up and then made the play anyway. So that that's always an interesting element when you're playing Mahomes is do you want to get aggressive and try and force the issue, knowing that he'll beat you yeah. every now and again. Yeah, and, and I, I like to always reiterate too, like beating the blitz is not just the quarterback. It's the quarterback plus receivers being on the same page and having outlets. And I think the – like Travis Kelsey has looked like Travis Kelsey. I mean, this whole season, he's there's been points where he looked a little bit older, he looked banged up, he was dropping passes, and all of a sudden he's there, right? Right. And he's slaloming through the secondary and finding the open spot. So 
they're back. But I do wonder. And, and Rasheed Rice has continued to just be on the same page with Mahomes as that outlet. Yeah, he has. But I do wonder if, if the general dynamic of those Chiefs receivers are why teams are coming after Mahomes a little bit more. Is now last year you don't want to do that because he'll find the right place to go with the ball and they'll make a play. Now it's like, well, we've seen most of the season of those guys not making a play, even when Mahomes has put the ball in the right place. Maybe we don't trust them to make the play anymore. Maybe we're willing to go and leave a guy on an island against any one of these receivers because we don't actually trust them making the play at the end of it most of the time. Like Travis Kelsey accepted maybe, and now Rasheed Rice is putting himself into that conversation. But I I wonder if defenses are looking at this Chiefs offense and saying it's actually – easier to be aggressive now than it used to be we can take some more chances because we're not 100 percent convinced they will burn us if we do the one other aspect here is the run game for the chiefs the niners run defense you know they definitely weren't good against the packers in particular and they had some struggles against the lions for for much of the game last week as well um, run defense grade last week of 44 for the for the niners run defense grade of 53 against the packers and I, I reiterated what Craig Olson said during the broadcast. Hey, the Niners have given up the fewest rushing yards, but it's not because they're great at run defense. That's a game flow thing. That's, you know, they face fewer rushes. When teams have run the ball against them, they've struggled. And I feel like I say this a lot about the Chiefs. You know, is this the week where they actually rely on the run game a little bit more? They're still going to be pass heavy in, in neutral situations. They're still going to be pass heavy. But I don't think this is one of the games where Patrick Mahomes has 30 dropbacks and Pacheco has just three carries. I think it'll be more balanced from a Chiefs perspective because their offensive line is good run blocking up front. And they might have that advantage against the Niners. I I just think they have – the Chiefs have those answers to keep the defense off balance. The Niners have good linebackers. Well, if if you keep them honest with the run game, they won't get as good depth as far as coverage goes. The, the Chiefs have the screen game. And again, every, it was like everything that Nick Bosa in particular was doing in the last matchup. As soon as he was starting to get a beat on the pass rush, they're throwing a screen. So he looks like he's winning and they're, they're softening and letting him go. They just had him like on a string, and I could see them doing that with the entire Niners front seven here. Run game, screen game, yak plays, and then Will Mahomes hit those shot plays. They, have, they had not hit shot plays all season I got his passer rating throwing the ball 20 plus yards was like what in the 30s or something this season but in the playoffs he's hitting those right he hit Marquis Valdez Scantling behind the defense to seal it he's hit some of those passes against the Bills and against the Dolphins when they needed them I I think that's why teams are blitzing is they're trying to say hey go yeah go try to hit one over the top you haven't done it all year but in the playoffs they have been yeah um or at least a couple of them I, I think that 49ers run defense is vulnerable on the edges, particularly against explosive players. Like, they gave up plays to Aaron Jones, who was playing out of his mind. They gave up plays to Jameer Gibbs, who, who played really well. They were spamming up toss until sweep the, fumble. the right. Packers. That yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, those, those toss sweep plays, those sort of pin-pull, the general outside zone stuff, trying to get around the edge, which, I mean, the Chiefs can definitely do that, but Pacheco is a very different running back to – you know, those two that we mentioned in particular, Jones and, and Jameer Gibbs. Now, David Montgomery had some success as well, so it's not like you're strictly limited to that style of player. But, you know, I wonder if we start to see some more of those um, Miko Hardman-type jet sweep-type plays. Like, let's let's achieve the same thing by a slightly different route. Let's go 
even or even Rasheed Rice can do those kinds of things. Let's give a run. Let's give a wide receiver a jet type of motion to try and get around the corner rather than trying to get Pacheco running east-west as opposed to north-south. That's definitely, I think, an element that the Chiefs can lean on. I think their running game has been a really important part of their like offensive sort of resurgence or success late in the season. But we need to talk about just the level of mistake-free football that Mahomes is playing. Timo Riska put out a tweet that sums it up really well. Number one, Mahomes has zero turnover-worthy plays so far in the playoffs. Uh, that itself is insane. His career turnover-worthy play rate is 1.7%, I think, which in any given year would be either leading the league or right around leading the league figure, right? So once you get to the postseason against theoretically the best teams in the NFL, when his team needs him the most, he becomes the most unlikely quarterback in the NFL to put the ball in harm's way. That's pretty crazy. Um, But as Timo points out, he also led the regular season with the lowest rate of negatively graded dropbacks. So he's not just avoiding big mistakes, he avoids small mistakes better than any quarterback in the NFL. And then during the playoffs, that number has come down four percentage points to 6.3%. So he was already leading the league in terms of being the least likely quarterback to just make an error of any kind. And now he's gotten four percentage points better at that in the postseason, in addition to, you know, Kelsey stepping up his game and all those kinds of things. So it's, it's like dealing with, you know, vintage prime Tom Brady, which is they're unlikely to give you anything. You're right. going to have to go and take this yourself you are going to have to play mistake-free football because they probably are. And, and that somewhat includes just the negative plays from sacks. We know that Mahomes avoiding sacks is as good as it gets and you know, historic type of runs over these last couple of years. So that's, that's the issue for the Niners, right? If you watch these plays, I mean, if you the highlight reel for Mahomes – in the playoffs, there's, there's five or six you know, pretty good plays in there, but it's, it's the consistency. You know, this is, I try to remind people every year about quarterback play when we're talking about the draft. And I get caught up in the can do, and he can do this, and he can do these high end things. He could do stuff out of structure. But Mahomes' superpower, uh, the last couple of years in particular, but definitely on this playoff run, has been everything that you highlighted. It's just the consistency. When I got a five yard hitch, I'm, I'm putting it on the guy, and five turns into seven, and we're on schedule, and we're not taking negative plays. Then I think back to last year's Super Bowl. And I thought that the Eagles defense, which wasn't – it was good, not great. It was a good Eagles defense last year. But I thought maybe they're equipped against this Chiefs team in a Mahomes who had a banged-up ankle. Maybe they're equipped because they had eight pass rushers who could get after the quarterback. And there was a field issue. The field was very slippery. But the Eagles, with Hassan Reddick and Fletcher Cox and all the guys that they had, they couldn't get pressure. They couldn't do it against the Chiefs because of the release – being so quick and of course when you get pressure on Mahomes he knows how to find the escape route and get out there to scramble or whatever he's got to do so I just don't know if the Niners with Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave and Chase Young and Randy Gregory I don't know if they can get the type of pressure that's needed to slow down the Chiefs offense I don't know that they can because the the Chiefs have offensive answers They've got that play calling feel for when to screen it, when to get, you know, when to soften the pass rush. And then you have Mahomes with his sack avoidance and his mistake free ball. He's going to get rid of the ball. So I, I think that the Chiefs' offense negates a lot of what the Niners love to do defensively, which is get pressure with that front four. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like 
I, I think that whole element is is a big part of this game. The 49ers rely on that front four being nasty, being able to get after you, but like Mahomes is Mahomes. He's, he doesn't, he's not being impacted by that as much as other quarterbacks. He's not going to take the sacks, and apparently he doesn't make mistakes off the back of it either. So even just whether or not they're able to get pressure, the impact of that pressure against Mahomes is less than it is against other quarterbacks. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Um, individual matchup-wise, I you know we're going to see a little Fred Warner going up against you know Travis Kelsey. I, the Niners play you know from a cover one perspective. They're at the bottom bottom half of the league. They're not going to play a ton of a ton of man coverage. Um, I'm always curious if teams try to man up against the Chiefs a little bit more because Mahomes has become that he's uh, Romo again. You know that zone killer, right? He he has gone from. Uh, you know, natural playmaker who's kind of you know learning the game and feel to yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go to the right place with the ball at the right time, and when you face zone after zone after zone, um, it's gonna be a challenge to to slow down Mahomes. I do wonder how much the Niners try to man up a little bit. Do they have some reps with Travarius Ward going up against Travis Kelsey? Do they try to ma- mix that up? When teams have had success against the Chiefs, they do put two and three players in and around Travis Kelsey. And sometimes that is zone, right? You have two linebackers in the middle of the field. He's going to run to the middle of the field. You're just going to pinch him and make them go somewhere else. Kelsey was tearing it up last week against Baltimore. I do wonder how much the Niners just say, we're not letting that dude beat us. Let's Look, if if Valdez Scantling gets behind the defense again against Ambry Thomas or something, let let him go. Maybe he'll drop it. So I do wonder how aggressive the Niners will be, man up a little bit, uh, cover one with a double over Kelsey, or simply – compressing their zones his way remember when the the chiefs played the giants uh, when they had kelsey and tyreek hill and the giants showed up with this defensive game plan that caused them all kinds of problems and this was like when teams first started playing weird stuff against the chiefs and yeah. when they still had both those guys it was like oh what's wrong with the chiefs offense all of a sudden and they rolled in with this game plan where they would show like two high safeties and then as soon as the the, the snap happened the safeties would both jump down to like bracket Kelsey and Hill, right? Yeah. So they were ending up playing some kind of weird version of like bracket cover zero, right? Where they were essentially leaving the top off the defense, but double teaming the only two guys that the Chiefs were likely to throw to. And it caused them all kinds of issues. I kind of wonder whether this version of the Chiefs is that should be the game plan. Maybe you just focus on Kelsey and say, whatever, we're going to force the ball anywhere other than Travis Kelsey right now because he has 27 targets so far in the postseason. That's four more than any other Kansas City player. But Kelsey and Rasheed Rice have 27 for Kelsey, 23 for Rice. Nobody else has more than nine. So if you wanted to do that and say, what if we just bracket both those guys on every play? And you know maybe we'll disguise it pre-snap or whatever. Sure. But yeah. that's the game plan: is we are those guys are going to have two people on them at all times. Then, who else is beating you? Like you, okay, Marquez Valdez Scantling one on one 
for most of the game is risky, but it's going to take a bomb for it to be a problem because he's not going to like he's not going to get 10 catches for 150 and you know be responsible for moving the chains consistently all the way down the field. It's going to be does the one big play you give up to him cost you enough? But you know if they then have to go to Noah Gray, Valdez Scantling, Pacheco, Justin Watson, Miko Hardman. I wouldn't be scared of that, even if you are leaving them on an island with your third corner or whatever. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to be interested in that cat and mouse game on that side of the ball. And again, let's get back to the, the psychological aspect. If the, if the Chiefs get a hot start again, and look, they can they could play from behind as well from as, as any team in the league, right? They've made plenty of comebacks, and they did it against the Niners in the Super Bowl. But if the Niners come out cooking again, and it, I mean, if the Chiefs come out cooking again, and it's up, uh, they score seven immediately what are those adjustments how does that affect the Niners offensively coming out of their game plan potentially again they did a nice job last week they made a nice comeback down 24 to 7 obviously um but they needed the Lions to make mistakes too yeah so I'm curious to see what that start is for the Chiefs and then um you know if the Niners have a lead can they keep it up because that back and forth between Andy Reid Steve Wilkes it's going to be a good one. But that's the thing is if they get in a hole against Kansas City, they're going to need the Chiefs to help them get out of it because, you know, they're probably not going to make those mistakes. Like they're going to need a Miko Hardman error or, you know, a fumble on a special teams play because the chances are Mahomes isn't putting the ball in harm's way. The chances are Kelsey's not making a big mistake. Like they are very, very good at avoiding those critical mistakes, even though – that's been their biggest problem all the way through the regular season. They like they need a total regression of the rest of the Chiefs offense to that kind of state for them to execute that kind of comeback. So as is the case with every Shanahan game, their best chance of winning this game is to stay in a neutral game script situation where they're either tied, ahead, or only down by a you know, field goal at any given moment. Like If the game starts to get away from the 49ers, you do worry about their capacity to hang in it. On one to nine yard passes, the 49ers this year, 11th best EPA per play against. So the short pass game, they're okay at it. But then, yeah, I don't, I don't think the Niners, their defense has kind of been hit or miss in, in recent weeks. They've had these stretches where it's like, where'd they go? And then other times where you feel that pass rush and you feel a really good linebacker core and Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw and you feel that, you know, Charvarius Ward and some playmaking safeties. I, I don't know. The, it's certainly not as good as the Ravens defense and we saw I I don't know if I'm too skewed by those first couple drives because the Ravens defense absolutely settled in and gave them a chance to win Um, but it looked like the Chiefs just had their number for when they needed to right the the, uh, Baltimore defense and then it all comes down to me that in-game decision making by the coaches and for all the talk last Monday morning about Dan Campbell and his reckless fourth down decisions in the Chiefs Ravens game that uh, where only three touchdowns occurred across both teams. Two out of those three touchdowns needed a fourth down conversion on that drive to keep it alive on a play that was not a slam dunk go for it just six or seven years ago in the NFL, especially the Ravens. They went for it on their own 30 on fourth and one. Lamar had the big run, and that eventually set up their first, their only touchdown. And then the Chiefs go for it on fourth and two. Mahomes rolls out. First couple reads aren't there. He throws it back to Kelsey. And, you know, we talked about just making every play that was needed. That was a huge one between Mahomes and Kelsey. Fourth downs, of course, will have a huge impact here. And the actual decisions there 
Will Shanahan be aggressive enough going up against the Chiefs? If they fail, it's risky when they fail, but I feel like you got to keep, you got to maximize points here, both teams. Yeah. The other thing that we don't ever talk about, but I think is probably relevant in this game. Oh, no. Special teams. <sighs> kickers. The Chiefs. Chiefs. punt game, baby. Well, and the actual kickers. The Chiefs have Harrison Butker, who has a PFF grade above 90, who made every single extra point this season, who has made 42, or sorry, 40 of 42 field goals this season, who is perfect 8 of 8 from 40 to 49 yards, perfect 6 of 6 from 50 plus. Butker is one of the best kickers in the NFL. The 49ers have a rookie kicker who they drafted way higher than everybody was, was expecting, who has missed an extra point this year, who from 40 to 49, that zone where it was like, Dan Campbell, just take your points. Like this free points on offer and you're turning them down. He's missed four kicks. He's five of nine from that area this year. It's 55.6%. If they're in a game where you have a 43-yard field goal attempt, I mean, Moody missed one in that game, like against the Lions. He's the evidence of why you don't just take the points and chalk up three because the kicker could miss it from that distance. The 49ers have unquestionably a worse kicking situation than the Chiefs do in this game, and that could be worth three points. That could be worth a point. That could be worth the game. Butker has been absolutely money. He's got a big leg. Um, There was a point in his career, like the last couple years, he would just – randomly whiff on extra points here and there like you said he didn't didn't miss one all year is that right no um and it's funny because the Chiefs didn't score nearly as much this year but they had a bunch of games where it was like you know Butker had the six field goals I think against um somebody um that happened this year (laughs) right thank you we had five against the Dolphins six against somebody um he had a bunch of field goals mm. so they've had to rely on butker more than they have in the past but now they're, they're better in the red zone but when they need butker especially you know 50 plus he's always been you know pretty good relative to the rest of the league so it could be could be big there yeah and it's you know kicker we talk <laughs> whenever we mention kickers we occasionally reference the idea that that is probably one of the most psychologically difficult positions in football right? a lot of psychology talk here on the show because I mean, those guys, that's why almost none of them become Justin Tucker and just are this metronomic, you know, automatic guy. Like, look at Brandon Aubrey, right? We spent the entire season hearing about this This guy didn't even play football. He's a soccer kicker, and he's never missed a kick, right? Look at him. Just keeps keeps making kicks and making kicks and making kicks. And then right at the end of the season, he missed one, and everything fell apart. Like, the entire <laughs> his entire game fell apart. He started missing kicks all over the place. Like, those guys are like golfers where they they won bad contact and suddenly it's like everything they knew about the game just fell out of their head. Like the Chiefs are in a situation where their kicker has been there, done that, has now ridden through those periods and is in a fairly sort of stable part of his career where he's just nailing everything. The rookie kicker hasn't been through, unless like he's going through it, but he hasn't really been through one of those periods where you missed a couple of kicks and you've sort of gone through a rocky patch and you come out the other side of it and now you're playing really well again. Like he's just not been at that level yet. And he's certainly never been to a Super Bowl. He missed a kick in the NFC Championship game, which luckily didn't end up costing them. But like that guy, I don't imagine you're looking at him and saying, I have bulletproof confidence in his ability to put this ball through the uprights at any point in the game. Well, I'm getting fired up for the game. We got a whole week to go because we started early with our preview. 
Um, it is still Niners by two as of right now, record time Sunday afternoon, Monday morning before the game. Uh, PFF Green Line does actually have a slight edge for the Niners. I, and, you know, th- th- it takes in all the data. And I think when you take in all the data, I can understand that. You know, the Niners have been a more dominant team this year. Yes. The Chiefs had issues offensively this year, very inconsistent. The defense was very good, but not great against the run. When you add all that up on paper, yeah, the Niners should be the better team. But this is the Chiefs that have just, again, to reiterate, mistake-free football, their first three playoff games. Can they keep it going next week? Yeah, what you are doing when you're sort of checking the data versus your feels and this kind of thing is you're basically asking the question, have the Chiefs become a fundamentally different team in the postseason than they were for most of the regular season? The data would sort of say, no, this is just variance. This is what happens. You know, there's highs, there's lows. Ride it out and and sort of stick with the, the main path of best fit. I'm starting to believe, though, that the Chiefs are just different once they hit the postseason in a way that, you know, Tom Brady had the ability to do and Michael Jordan had the ability to do. Like, when it matters most, those guys go, right, that's enough of the crap. We're going to start playing better. Mahomes, it's not just this year. It's his entire playoff career. Once the games matter more, he turns it on and you get a different version of Patrick Mahomes and that transforms everything. So I'm buying into the Chiefs are a better different and better team than they look if you just pull all of their data for the year. Fair points, but are the Niners a different team when the game's on the line with Brock Purdy? Different than they were with Jimmy Garoppolo? Different when you have the open post to maybe seal the deal in the Super Bowl a few years ago, Super Bowl live? Is it different with Brock Purdy now? You mentioned all that man coverage that Kansas City might play. Brock Purdy's been scrambling around doing Mahomesian types of things. This entire postseason is Purdy the guy to quiet the doubters here in this game. I mean, maybe, but that only matters if they're still in the game at that point, which is potentially yeah. the issue. So I'm with you. I'm going to take the Chiefs to uh, to win and cover. I did think the game would go closer to the Chiefs by game time. It might still, you know. I think. Right. I don't know how big the line's going to move within a week, but um, Niners are favored third straight time. The Chiefs are going to be underdogs, and they generally come through. Yeah. in those situations so i'll go with the chiefs to uh to win and cover and then we're talking you know what our dynasty and legacy and all that fun stuff certainly after last week i'm just not betting against the chiefs yeah. like they showed last week <laughs> at the minimum in my opinion they should not be underdogs going into any game like so yeah i agree i it would be easier to pick the chiefs to cover but not to win uh, but i'm i think they'll win Right, and therefore cover. Yeah, I mean, a two-point game. Tough to do both. All right. Um, By the way, yeah, to recap the season, I was at about 47% hit rate. You were about 46. Wow, that's bad. And then Harry, who made his – I don't want to say his debut on the podcast because he certainly has been roaming around behind uh, Mm. when I recorded from home through the years. Right. But his official podcast debut last week, it was at 50% hit rate. You know, right around break even. Yeah, like – the kid has a, has the same chance of getting a game right as essentially flipping a coin. That makes a lot of sense. That's good. You and I, it turns out, are worse than just a little flipping bit less. a coin. It's all those pushes. We had a lot of three-point pushes this year. Okay. That's yeah. what killed us. I, yeah. did, I called those losses. You know? Yeah. So we get a lot of that. I might give the kid a bankroll next year. We'll see what happens. <laughs> see what happens. He beat me in our bowl pick him too, yeah. this year. Just picking teams. Is that legal to just give the child a bankroll and send him out there gambling? I was just... 
I didn't officially do it, but probably probably not. Pretty sure there's there's uh, age laws against that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, pretty sure. I'm somewhere in that terms and conditions we've read out this year. There's something against child gambling. It's got to be. Let me just clarify my statement. I will not be giving my eight-year-old money to gamble next year. Thank you. Allegedly. Boy, the lawyers work overtime with us on this show, don't they? <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> the number of times we've had to, you know, call our lawyers, mm. make sure things are uh, things are good. Am I supposed to talk about AG1 here? It turns out you were, yeah. That's assuming you didn't already. I don't remember. Did you? I didn't. Well, okay. it's tough to get the flow. Yeah. It's tough to get the flow when there's only one game. Yeah. There's only one natural split. So let's talk about our friends over at AG1. Mm. I imagine a bunch of the Chiefs and the Niners are going to be drinking AG1 this week. You know? Because they're, you know, it's trusted by top athletes all, all over the world. AG1's a simple and comprehensive foundational nutrition supplement for whole body health. Helps me fill my nutritional gaps and fortify my body so I can focus on the things that matter most with its essential vitamins, minerals, and nutrients to support daily performance and sustained, sustained energy. AG1 is a powerful, simple step that you can take today for a better tomorrow. Even if you're, you know, your spread for the big game isn't the healthiest, you know, you're ordering some unhealthy stuff. You like, can still ensure you're giving your body the nutrients it needs to thrive with AG1. Each group of AG1 contains minerals, whole foods, whole, whole food sourced ingredients that support gut health, focus, immune health, and much more. AG1 is the game changer, trusted by professional sports teams worldwide and revolutionizing the way athletes approach their nutrition. AG1 isn't just a product. It's a healthy habit to elevate your lifestyle. This isn't just for athletes, though. Anyone focused on their health can benefit from this unparalleled impact on endurance, recovery, and overall well-being. Since I've been drinking AG1, I've noticed that sustained energy. I've noticed that focus. I've noticed that I've got those nutrients getting me through the day when I kick my day off with AG1. So this football season, let AG1 be your secret weapon. Forget ordinary supplements. AG1 is a powerhouse of essential nutrients, antioxidants, offering a holistic approach to reaching your full potential. All right, if there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why we've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try it right now, AG1, and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D plus K2. Vitamin D3 plus K2, that's what it is. Plus five free AG1 travel packs when you first subscribe at drinkag1.com slash PFF. That's drinkag, the number one, dot com slash PFF. Go check it out right now i thought k2 is a mountain no it's also a uh, a nutrient huh. okay in that ag1 pack nice. along with vitamin d3 how many uh how many glasses bottles of ag1 would you need to offset 75 wings oh probably eight to ten <laughs> that's like every 10 wings you probably need <laughs> to reset the uh mineral structure <laughs> right yeah i'm also uh i'm not a nutritionist but yeah i imagine you need to i'm getting that feeling yeah I'll, i will i will wash down my wings with AG1. with ag1 right i will bring it with me wash down my wings with ag1 perfect sound good yeah all right <laughs> can you order some ag1 for me get it delivered to vegas thank you i'd like my travel packs i need the travel packs i don't have the travel packs right now all right that's it for us today we appreciate everybody for tuning in remember all week we're gonna have four more shows this is your monday show because we're here on monday and then the rest of the week, uh, sometime Tuesday, you just never know. Just ring the bell. Get the, uh, the notification going. Five, technically, if we uh, by the end of the Sunday. And then Sunday night. Well, that's a new week, Sunday night. Is it? 
So the Super Bowl review show will be boom Sunday. Yeah, Sunday's the start of a new week. No, it's not. It certainly is. Sunday is the final day certainly of is. the previous week. What? It is in the final world? day. It's it's part of the week end. It's in the name. Yeah, the week ends and it also starts. Yeah, it starts on week. Monday, the next day. Dude, it starts stop. on the first day that is not part of the week end. Sunday's the first day of the week. Look at a calendar. You're out of your mind. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you again sometime tomorrow with more PFF NFL Podcast. Okay, there's one word in there that they can't want to say that I